Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. You know, we all need one another. Can we say amen? We need people in our lives who love us. uh, People who love us enough to tell us the truth. uh, To protect us from ourselves. Um... You know, it's easier to see uh, from outside your life than it is uh, from inside. Sometimes you need someone to sort of walk into your life and go, Jason, this might need to be different. And uh, today we're going to talk about that a little bit. And King David had gotten himself into a lot of trouble. He was indeed a God, a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. He wanted to do right. And, but instead of doing what he should do and going out to battle, he stayed home and was kind of twiddling his thumbs and got bored. And you know the story. Looks over the wall, sees something that's somebody else's, and finds himself in a lot of trouble. And God sent a man to him to arrest him. Not arrest him as in the way we would talk about arresting people. But in to, to stop him in his tracks. Do you guys remember that story? We're going to hear it read from the Word of God uh, in our readings. Uh, but when that man came in his life, he was the king. What could have he done to that man? He could have killed that man. He could have told that man to be quiet. He could have decided not to listen to that man. But that man wasn't representing himself. He was doing what? Who was he representing? He was representing God. And he was coming and representing God to even the king. Even the king needs somebody to come and talk to him. Well, here's how David responded to that. And I I want us to think about this as God calls us to worship. Because when David was confronted with his own sin by a man, he repented. And he wrote, it, he wrote down his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. And as we're called to worship, let's hear it today. David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Lord, create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and... Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors the ways and sinners shall be converted unto unto thee. But Lord, deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, the God of my salvation, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. And thou delightest not in burnt offerings, but the sacrifices of God, you know what they really are? That they are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, and build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with the burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let us pray. Lord, you are so very good to us. To not just cast us off when we sin, not just let us stray when we wander, but to send people to us, shepherds, Lord, who come with their staff in hand uh, to correct us and to put us on the right path. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that today you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would change us, Lord, that you would give us the courage, Lord, to respond when we are corrected the way that David responded when you corrected him through Nathan the prophet. Lord, we pray today, Lord, that you would change us to make us more like you, Lord. And that we would have the faith, Lord, that that as husbands, as fathers and mothers, as church leaders, that we would have the faith to do what your word commands that we do without fear of the consequences. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Please remain standing for a few moments as we read our text today. I know today is Pentecost Sunday, and some of you are dressed to commemorate that, and uh, we got banners up to commemorate that. And can you smell all the food in there? Can you smell the food? I, I guess we got some Chinese food and some Hungarian food and some Egyptian food. What were some of those funny jokes going around about uh, the food pyramid and the Egyptian food? It was something very funny. Um, but anyway, we're not preaching about that today. Uh, we'll be thinking and talking about that here in a little bit. Uh, but right now, my sermon today and uh, is <clears throat> titled this. Sometimes we need a rebuke. 
Say that with me. My text is from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. And my kids say I say this every week, uh, but I'll say it, whether I say it every week or not. Um, This sermon is going to probably require something specific of you. And I would really like for you to listen. I really feel that this is God's way of speaking to all of us. And there will be some very specific requests that come that you'll be able to deliver on or not deliver on. And I hope you do deliver on them. Um, And so I take my job very seriously uh, leading this church. And I know that, um, that we all need to hear what I'm getting ready to talk about today. So Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31, says this. And he, being Jesus, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what? Will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let us pray. Lord God, give me courage to speak to our church and let this be a day where something good happens in our church. Where we realize according to your word and According to your will, Lord, that we really need people in our lives to help us, to stop us, and that we need to encourage them in that work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Taking rebuke is hard, but I don't think I would be going too far to say that I think it's just as hard on the one who gives it as the one who's getting it. Amen? At least it is for me. But sometimes we really need a rebuke. Proverbs chapter 9 says this, and some of you guys remember memorizing this. You guys remember Proverbs 9? Talks about wisdom hath built at her house, right? And it talks about what the wise are, right? Wisdom hath built her house, hewn out her seven pillars. She's killed her beast. She's mingled her wine. She's also furnished her table, right? You guys memorize this? When you get in the heart of this and it says, forsake the foolish and live, go in the way of understanding. And it says, but he that reproves a scorner getteth himself shame. And he that rebukes a wicked man gets himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee, and rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. How many want to be wise? Raise your hand if you want to be wise. Everybody? Now, to be wise means, in Proverbs 9, to be someone who can 
receive a rebuke, who can receive correction. Come on, you raise your hand. How many find it hard to be corrected? How many don't like it when they're corrected? All right. How many hate doing it to other people? We all do. But the, but the deal is, is we hate to do a lot of things. But if you don't do them, bad things happen. Someone was telling me the other day, said their kids never checked their oil and they've blown up three engines. Nobody likes to pop the hood. Nobody likes to get grease on their hands. Nobody likes to pull that 14 foot long dipstick out and check the oil. You hate to do it. But if you don't do it, what happens? The engine blows up. And trust me, when an engine blows up, that's bad. That's, there's not, there's not, you don't put duct tape on that. Okay? You might as well start all over. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. How many of you make people feel like you hate them when you rebuke them? You ever make your husband or wife feel that way? When you do that, you're not doing yourself a favor. Husbands, don't raise your hands. Just close your eyes and pray to God that no facial expression betrays you. How many of you, when you know your wife needs corrected, you say in your mind, you go, oh, have mercy. I've got to say something to her, but this is going to cost me big. Now, I'll look this way. Wives, I'm telling you right now, you, you, you're going to get what you want in the short term that way. But in the long term, what you're going to lose is you're going to lose what God has given you to help you. Because I can tell you right now, most men are chicken livers. They don't want to deal with their wives. You know, I love my kids. I want to be friends with my kids. My kids are starting to become adults. And the last thing I want to do is for them to, you know, hate me and not want to talk to me and be angry with me. Because I'm coming to them and going, you just can't do that. That's wrong. I, I don't like that. You got, Is anybody sympathizing with me? Give instruction though. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Wow! How many love it when you go to someone with something and you're terrified and you feel horrible and you really don't want to say anything but they receive it meekly and kindly and repentantly and they don't go, well, you know what? You do that too. I mean, really? You've heard me talk about this before. Someone asked me, why do you, why do you think, why do you love your church? What, what do you love about your church? What makes it different? Our kids will tell you right away. She said, our kids will say it because people in our church love each other enough to go and tell the other one they think they're wrong. But I'm telling you, our church is turning into a place where I'm afraid to do that. Lest you get mad. Lest you leave. I think we're turning into fools here at this church. Hebrews 12 from our reading today says that God does this to people he loves. Now, how does God do this if he doesn't do it through people? Has anybody ever been out doing something in your yard you shouldn't do and and God goes, hey, stop it. Has that ever happened to anybody here? If it has, I'd like to hear about it. God doesn't do that. He puts people in your life, your friends, your parents, your husband. Your pastor, he puts them in your life and they say, stop it. And you can go, well, who do you think you are? And you can go, well, I tell you what, I go to that church and I give my tithe to that church and they just treat me like a dog. 
The Bible says that if you are loved, you will be corrected. Everybody say that. If you are loved, you'll be corrected. Some people say, well, why, why do you, you know, well, you're close to the people at your church. Why is it? I'll tell you why it is. I've had, Benita, I've had to correct Benita. Have I not? Do you think I wanted to do it? I'm half scared of her. She's, she's a tough lady. But I'll tell you what, I love Benita more because when I did have to correct Benita, and it's, I think it's only been once in the whole time you've ever lit, right? That one time you threw a brick through my window, Right? Just kidding, she never threw a brick through my window. But what I'm saying is, is that's, you know, when, when you can, when your relationship can survive that, then you're like, hey, I think I actually have a relationship with these people. When your relationship can't survive that, then you go, well, I shouldn't probably talk to them or maybe they'll get mad or maybe they'll leave or, or your husband is, he knows something needs to change in your home. He sees that you're not being kind to the children. He sees that you're not doing right in your home. He sees maybe you're not walking with God and he's going, man, but if I talk to her, if I say anything, I mean, she's going to, she's going to shut me out. She's not going to talk to me. She's going to, she's going to take it, but she's going to sniff around the house. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, he scourges every son whom he receives. If you can endure the chastening, God deals with you as sons. It's hard, right? But if you be without chastisement, then you're, you're, you're not even his children at all. Furthermore, we had fathers in our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits? The Father of spirits does not bring his rebuke from a loud voice from heaven. He brings it from your dad. He brings it from your husband. He brings it from your elders and from your pastor. That's how God brings it. And if you're not prepared for that, and if you despise it, and if you reject it, then it's going to hurt you and the whole church. Nevertheless, it says, no chastening For the present seems joyous, but it is grievous. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Afterward, it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. How many have found that when you do it and the person receives it and they're kind and they're sweet and they're repentant. How many have found that there is a love that begins to happen in your life that wasn't there before? You know, uh, you guys are newly married, Josh and Caitlin. Have, you know, come on, there's a dynamic. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, don't have to worry about getting in trouble here. He's like, man, everything's all good. We're right here. She loves me. She wrote a post about how beautiful I am and how much she loves me this week or something like that. I don't want to, you know. But the way that over time that you'll have a relationship is when your husband can come to you and go, Caitlin, buck up. And if you storm around the house and you're mad about it for five days, what do you think he's going to want to do the next time? He's going to go, I ain't saying nothing. Now, that's chicken liver. Okay? And the chicken liver is he's not obeying God. Right? You, you have inoculated him so that he doesn't obey God. So now he's feeling guilty with conviction. How do you think that's going to work out in your relationship? You think you'll draw nearer to each other and love each other and become more like Christ? Absolutely not. You've got to, Caitlin, you've got to be going, 
Man, that last time you tried to bring, tell me something I shouldn't do, I acted like a crazy woman, and I'm sorry, and, and, and you know what? Please keep doing that. I want to try to make it easier. That's, that's what we should do. You have older children. Guys, all these kids that were little kids, they're going to be big, and one day, you're going to have to go to your son, Jacob, and go, now, Jacob, you know? And Jacob's got to make the decision. Do, does he want to? Hey, I don't need my dad. I'm big now. I got a car and I got a job and I got this and I don't need dad telling me. Who does he think he... And you know what you've done? You just cut off one of the most valuable things in your whole life when you do this. You come to... You're like, hey, I got a car. I got my own apartment now. I, you know what? I'll just go to this other church if my pastor doesn't like that. I'm telling you, when you do that, you're hurting yourself. Proverbs says, lift up hands which hang down and feeble knees. I'm telling you, I think I understand what this means. How many, when you go to people, you're literally like weak in your knees. Oh, (laughs) hands that hang down. What is it talking about? It is hard work dealing with people and correcting people. It's hard confronting the people in your life lovingly with where they're going wrong. Remember them that have the rule over you. Who have spoken to you the word of God. Whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. Be not carried away with different and strange doctrines. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves to them for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. I'm telling you I can imagine. And I was imagining as I was studying this week. I was imagining God saying. Are you doing what's right by your congregation? And I'm telling you as your pastor. I am not. I have been sinning and I've been afraid of you people and I've not been doing what God wants me to do because I don't want to make any waves. I've never been like this in my whole life. I'm ashamed of myself. But sometimes we need a rebuke. We really, really do. Now rebukes don't go up. Everybody say that. Rebukes don't go up. They go down. Now you might go, well, I don't even like the sound of that. I mean, everyone, we're all equal in Jesus Christ. And it, no, you're not. Okay? Grace comes to you and rebukes you, Luke, that's out of order. It's not what she's supposed to do. Children do not rebuke their parents. Slaves do not rebuke their masters. Employees do not rebuke their employers. We do not rebuke police. You better not try to rebuke a judge. I've seen that happen in a courtroom. Andy, that doesn't work out too good. You're on trial for something. You're like, blah, 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 blah. and the judge just goes, okay, you're going to be in jail for a week. And after that, then we'll talk. And you're like going, you're done. Judges are powerful people. Won't work out well. I've seen this and it's very bad news. Church members do not rebuke their elders. That's not to say they can't come to them. That's not to say that they are supposed to let their sins of their elders slide. It just means that there is another way of dealing with the people over you that does not include rebuking them. The scriptures plainly state this. When dealing with things that people who have been given authority over by God in the church, in the family, in the state, you entreat them, not rebuke them. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, the scripture says. God is not pleased. When we rebuke those in power that he has given. And we say power. Power sounds like a big word, right? You know, power. Off with his head. Okay, nobody in here has that kind of power, right? In fact, no one, hardly no one in the world has that kind of power, right? 
But there are people, and they have been uh, uh, over time, that did have that power. Power in the, in the scripture means authority. Authority is given by God. In fact, that's what it says. It says all authority that's been given in the world has been given by God. God gives these people in the governments, he gives them the power. People in churches, he gives them the power. In the home, in Josh's home, he's been given the power. He's got to exercise it over little James. I mean, we're, you know, James needs power exercise. Well, of course he does. Nora would bolt for the front door and run out and stand in the middle of the road and greet fire trucks, the fronts of fire trucks, if she could. That doesn't mean she's horrible and evil and not saying, you know, God's not going to save her. Yeah, she just needs it. She needs someone to go, Nora, you can't run on the road. You know, we built fences, you know, Liam, uh, when he's little, he just, he, well, he doesn't know. He just walking, hi, neighbor, walking across, just walking right across the battle road. No, you can't do that. He's like, Dad, why, why were you holding back this beautiful thing for me called a road? <laughs> it's just this flat surface. I mean, I could, I could take my Tonka truck out there. This is the best place to play. <laughs> no, you can't do that. You got to play in the backyard or play inside this fence. If I catch you out in this yard, why? Why would I do that? What is Liam going to gain if I stop doing that? Everybody say, Liam's going to gain a car accident. Liam's going to be in a hospital. Liam may not make it through, right? He needs that. Your dog needs that. No, you know what? We love our dog. We just let it terrorize the neighbors themselves and end up dead in the road. That's not loving your dog. God's given us authority. Jude says this, Beloved, I gave you diligence to write unto you the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men who crept in unawares before ordained to this condemnation. These were ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, denying the Lord. These sound like bad characters, don't they? These are nasty people. They crept in. I mean, they, they almost look like monsters when they're described. These evil men, they crept in unawares. Could you imagine someone like creeping into your home in the middle of the night? I mean, this is a bad dude, right? Let me tell you what these people are like. It said, these people were evil. These people are filthy dreamers that defile the flesh. They're nasty. And it says, and you know what? They, they despise authority. Wait a minute. We all despise authority. We, we hate it when someone tells us what to do. We hate it when someone restrains us. We hate it when someone stops us in our tracks. That's, who do they think they are? They speak evil of those people God has put in authority. Wait a minute. I was okay with the filthy dreamers and creeping in, but now they're describing things that I let live in my life. If you let it live in your life that you are despising your elders, despising your pastor, despising your husband, despising your mom and dad, despising your husband and all these people that God put in your life. If you despise that, you're just like these filthy dreamers that creep in unaware. You're ungodly. The end of this lifestyle is horrible. It says Michael the archangel. This is amazing to me and Jude. God knows how to put an example in there that's just unbelievable. Now, how many of you think Michael the Archangel was probably one of the most, he is one of the most serious dudes in in all of creation, right? You've heard about him. 
He is so incredibly powerful that at one point he's going to take the devil by one hand and a giant chain in the other and wrap it around him and lock him up for a thousand years. I mean, would you say that guy's a pretty serious dude? Of course. But when Michael the archangel in Jude uh, verse 9 contends with the devil over the body of Moses, the scripture teaches us, he did not even tell, he did not even directly rebuke the devil. Why did he not do it? He had not been given authority over the devil. He respected the chain of authority that God established so much that he did not even rebuke the devil. But said to the devil, the Lord rebuke thee. God's authority system that he sets up is sacred. If you're a wife here and you're not listening to your husband, if you're a child here and you're not listening to your parents, if you're a church member and you despise being corrected and will not be corrected by your elders and you're ready to run for the hills when they come to you, I'm telling you right now, you are not understanding the things of God. Michael the archangel would not even rebuke the devil. He hadn't been given authority over him. He just said, the Lord rebuked thee. This is an example in scripture about how important authority is to God. Sometimes we need a rebuke. We really, really, really do. Now let's look at the story contained in Luke. Normally we deal with narratives in the order that they were written. Matthew, Mark, Luke. But this time we're going to read Luke's version first. Because it is not the same story, but the same message communicated to the disciples. He sends them again and again uh, in Luke. Now see, the deal is this. When you, and well, we'll read this first. Okay, Luke chapter 12. After he fed the 5,000, Jesus says this. Remember, he's alone with the disciples. Before they go out on the boat alone, he's with them alone. Remember this? And, we, and he's telling them something very important. He's, all the multitudes away, he's with them. They're getting ready to go on a boat. He's, he's trying to say, you're going to go out and go do this ministry. I'm not going with you. You're going to go. And he meets them out there. Remember that? He says, you know, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and priests, and be slain, be raised from the dead. He said, to them, he, he said that to them, just like he said later in Matthew or in. Uh, in also in Matthew and Mark, but not, this is not the same time. He's repeating the same message, but he, this is the first time. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gains the whole world and lose his soul or be cast away? Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in my Father's. When we read about this in Matthew and Mark, we get Peter being rebuked in the midst of all this. So you'll see how that adds to the story. But there is, there is no more direct way to deny yourself than to submit yourself to, to the authority God has given you. There's, it's harder. If I come to my wife and I go, Andrea... What you're doing is wrong. This is her opportunity to submit to God in a way that there just there isn't any other way for her to do. This is a great opportunity. And if she doesn't take the opportunity, she misses it. So what she does is she dies to herself. He, but he that saves his life shall do what? Lose it. But he that loses it. How do you lose your life? You lose your life by saying, hey, 
uh, I am, I'm Christy Goldsmith, okay, but I am Heath's wife. And God's given Heath to me to help me, to sanctify me. And you know what? Heath is the voice of God to me. You know? You're, you're Caden and Jeremiah and you're listening to your dad and you're going, wait a minute, he's not just some guy in our house, you know, who can't find his tape measure. He's, he's the guy that God has given me in my home to listen to. And he's taken the time out of his life to sit down and talk to me. I should listen to that. I'm telling you, when you don't do that, you're very, very foolish. You see, the heavens will be silent to you. God doesn't speak out loud to you from the sky. If he does, we'll, we'd love to all hear about it. But the way he does is he speaks to you through the authorities God has established. All right, Matthew 16 contains the same story. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. See, he's rebuking upward. Say, rebukes don't go up. We definitely don't rebuke the Lord, right? Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned aside to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, there's some new information in the next story. But in this one, Peter's talking to him and he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How many can handle that kind of comment from your husband or your wife or your dad or your pastor? I don't think so. You are an offense to me. I mean, could you imagine that? Can you? Well, Jesus is only allowed to say stuff like this to people, right? You are not mindful of the things of God. How many can feel the pain of this? I I mean, I don't know if you can feel the pain of this. This is horrible. This is like when Jesus called the woman a dog. This is really, really bad. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. Whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? See the context of those words? He's rebuking Peter. He's telling him he's not mindful of the things of God. He's calling him Satan. He says he's offensive to him. And then he says, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. What's he telling him? You've got to hear this rebuke. You've got to take this rebuke. You've got to deal with this rebuke. And you know what? Thank God Peter took it and didn't just run for the hills. He didn't run for, did Peter run for the hills? He didn't run for the hills. He took it. Why did he take it? Because a wise man, if you rebuke a wise man, he is yet... If you rebuke a wise man, will he hate you or will he? He's going to love you. How many want to be wise? I want to be wise. We're all tempted to be fools and we're all tempted not to obey God's word. And we're all tempted not to be the voice of God. We don't want to be the voice of God. We hate it. Hey, we're just trying to enjoy our day. We're going to have a beautiful day. If I say something to her, it's going to be horrible. And we chicken out. And on both ends, we got to pray for courage to be the voice of God. And we also have to say, hey, I'm going to go to the person that has authority over me. And I'm going to tell them, hey, please, please, please exercise those things that God has called you to do. I know I make it hard. I know, 
I do terrible things and I shouldn't do them to make you never want to do it again. But please don't stop doing that. See, that's what, that's what Psalm 51. He says, you know what? The bones that you've broken are going to rejoice. Lord, you've done me against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Lord, you've broke my bones. That's fine. Lord, you've injured me. That's fine. Lord, you've hurt me. Where will I go? There's nowhere to go. And you see, this is where the power, this is where a church can be incredible and can be powerful. If nobody's running because you're rebuking them, if nobody's hating you because you're dealing with them, then they will bring the rebukes that you need. And if if we happen to have someone in our church that loves to bring rebuke, and they love to hurt people, you can, trust me, I'll deal with them. Whoever it is. If it's a dad, if it's a husband, and they're being unkind to their family and they're hurting their family and and being, uh, you know, lording over them. This church is for every child, every wife, every husband here. You are all members of it. If Steve treats you like dirt and, and, and runs over you and treats you like a doormat, this church will not allow that. And you might, well, if I come to the church, what's Steve going to... You know what? I, if Steve's saved and if he loves God, he's going to take the rebuke he's going to get. And he's not going to be allowed to treat you like that. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, Steve isn't like that. But if he gets to be like that, cranking his old age like me, he may need it. Andrea will remember one day there was a man who came to our life, uh, Andy, and he asked us for help. And I knew... What that I knew what that meant for him. It was going to be actually horrible for him. He was a drug addict, and he's like, you know what? When I get bad on drugs, he goes, I still. He said, I've stolen the Christmas presents under the tree and sold them for drugs. I've sold our cars. I've done everything. He said, I've become a wretch. He goes, I don't want to be that anymore. Will you help me? And I said, Well, he said, Will you help me and my family? I said, Well, there may come a point when I can't help you, but I will help your family. And I'll protect them from you. And in that moment, oh, please do. Oh, I don't want my family being, being mistreated and treated horrible. Remember when the day came? He was stealing Christmas presents from the tree. He, took, he had a car they had paid thousands for. He sold it for $200 so he could have some crack. And when, and when I went and got the car from the crack dealer and caused World War III to happen in his life. He was mad. He wanted to kill me. And I said, I'm going to tell you what. You told me to help you and your family. You, didn't, you ain't going to like any bit of this. But when you're sober and you're not on crack anymore, you're going to thank me. And right now, you want to kill me? I told you I'd help you, and I knew there would be a cost to it. Guys, helping people is dangerous business. You put yourself at risk. Being a peacemaker is dangerous business. You try to love the people in the church next thing you know, you're going to be the bad person. In our text, Mark chapter 8, he began to teach them, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders, chief priests, scribes, be killed. This is our third, third go around here, which is in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem. His chosen people were going to kill him. Remember, he came into his own and his own received him. Not, not only did they not receive him, but they killed him. He spoke the word openly. Peter took him aside. Everybody say, Peter took him aside. This is new information. If you read in uh, the other account, Peter tells him something. But here we have a little insight into the story. Peter takes him aside. Jason, you know, could you come here? You know, we're going to put your shade down. 
I really, I don't want to embarrass you publicly if I say it, but I'm just going to tell you. Now, could you imagine if someone, you took him aside to talk to him, you may be seated, you took him aside to talk to him, and then what happens? <laughs> Jesus then turns to the disciples publicly. Peter's talking to him in his ear and telling him, hey, you really should say it. He goes, Peter, you are an offense to me. Get behind me, Satan, for thou art not mindful of the things of God, but of men. Now, how many are like going, could you imagine this, Amy? Uh, Pastor Mark, you know, I'd just like to tell you. Church people, Amy is the devil. She does not love God. She only minds the things of the flesh. Amy, would you ever darken the doors of Foundation Church ever again? Yes, you would. Say, yes, I will. But see, the deal is this. We can't take it because we're so thin-skinned. And, you know, there is a cost to all this peace and prosperity and the easy life that we have where we can live. And, and we don't have... Did you hear what happened in London over the week, this couple last days? It's not happening here. Not, you're not worried about Mount Sterling, a bunch of jihadists. Now, they may come. If they do, they won't be coming in a place where there aren't 100 people with concealed to carry, Right? But we live in relative peace and prosperity and beauty. You can, you can sit out in that field for five days and count daisies and nobody cares. We're not being chased around by our government. We're not being harried and, and, and run off the edge of the earth because we want to worship God. We worship God however we want, right? But what comes with this ease and with this peace and with all this wealth that we have is that we are so thin-skinned that when someone comes to us and goes, Hey, stop it. What you're doing is ungodly, and it's, it, it's a mockery, and Christian people shouldn't act that way. You should respond by going, holy mackerel, but instead you'd be like, tell me. You know what? Blah, 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 and you want to leave, and you want to go. That's what your flesh wants to do. Jesus is speaking openly, not in secret, and Peter takes him aside. Better move than a public rebuke, but still, Peter should have not have done it. Rebuke is rebuke, but you don't rebuke up. Peter takes him aside, rebukes him. The scripture says, uh, we don't rebuke God, of course. The Son of God has been given authority in the church, the family, and the state. This is foolish, and in the end, it hurt Peter. Verse 33, when he had turned around, he looked at his disciples. I mean, I'm just hurting for Peter right now. He, you know, Peter tells, and he turns to his, I mean, could you imagine this, Jonathan? You know how you run up after church and you want to talk about the sermon. I just go, hey, wait a minute. Jonathan has lost it. He's driving me crazy up here about the sermon again. You know, now I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying here we have this. Okay. And I'm imagining doing this. And too afraid to do it. Does that make any sense? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell anybody they're filled with the devil and blast them publicly and do that. I'm not, I'm not gearing the church up for a bunch of that. But what I'm saying is, I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to come to you alone in your home and go. You know, this isn't. This isn't how Christians live. I'm afraid to you come like like Luke was reminding me up here like. Galatians 6, you which your spiritual restore, when a man's overtaken in a fault, you which your spiritual restore them in the spirit of meekness. I'm afraid to do that. Much less rebuke somebody. This is a rebuke in the third degree. I'm telling you, this would hurt so bad you can't even comprehend it. He rebuked Peter in front of people. Say, say in front of people. Say, ouch. 
He rebuked Peter by calling him Satan. Everybody say, ouch, ouch. He then added the pain to the rebuke and did something only God can do. He judged his heart. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of man. Ouch, ouch, ouch. How many of you think you would have survived that? Come on now. Oh, well, if it was Jesus. I'm telling you, your husband is Jesus in your home. Your dad, Shelby, your dad is Jesus to you. That's what you got. You got one dad. Robinette kids, you got one dad. You know, Ashley, Jonathan is Jonathan. You know, he's the same guy that came to our church and, you know, wearing tennis shoes and a suit or whatever it was. I don't know. Come on, Jonathan. (laughs) But he's the voice of God for you. And I'm telling you, if we could take those authorities that God has given us more reverently and more seriously and we can hear them. I'm not here to try to build up men to stomp all over their wives. What I'm trying to say is I think we're kind of, we've gone the other way. I'm not trying to build up Andy and I's position in the church so we can, you know, rule with an iron fist. I'm telling you, we've gone the other way. Andy and I, you know, we haven't had a lot of session meetings, at least official ones. Not that we haven't told Gary Mays that we have been having them, but you don't, you don't even know about that. Whatever. But the last time we got together, we were talking about things that we were worried about in the church. And honestly, Andy, I'm sorry. I feel like I let you down. I'm like, you know, we really can't deal with these situations because it can't be dealt with. We're just going to have to pray and not do anything. And I, I think I'm wrong about it. I think you got to do what's right and the chips fall where they may. You cannot let, you can't allow your children to go crazy. You can't allow your wife to go crazy. And church leaders cannot allow the people in the church to go crazy. You cannot do this. You can't allow them to do things because you're afraid of what they're going to do. You can't do that. When people are in sin, you got to love them, even if it means they're not going to love you. Even if they are foolish and they're going to scorn you and they're going to hate you and they're going to roll a hand grenade down the middle of the church and leave. You can't, you can't let people hold you hostage. And you can't negotiate with terrorists. And you might say, who in the world are you talking about? God, we're all a bunch of terrorists. We have got to overthrow our pride. That's what Jesus is talking about. He that saves his life will lose it. Peter's being rebuked. He's getting his heart ripped out in public. And he's reminding them that if you're going to follow after me, you're going to take up your cross. What's your cross? Lose your life. Here you've been completely debased and humiliated in front of the other disciples. Could you imagine being Peter? Not only does he get rebuked like this, but it's written down in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he denied the Lord three times. There's losing your life. Do you know the whole life, the whole time he was alive, Derek, the book of his, the account of his life and of his sin and of his foolishness is written down and it's God's word, permanent record. Could you imagine that? Imagine if I wrote a book right now talking about the times that you've sinned in our church. How many, how many would like to be included in that memoir? Nobody. But God's Word does not shy away from it. And the way that you lose your life is you go, you know what? I'm selfish and I'm moody. And I am like a bull in a china shop in my own home. And I don't receive rebuke well. 
and I don't welcome it. And I've cut off any chance of God ever speaking to me because my husband's afraid of me or my dad's afraid of me or my pastor's afraid of me. And if you're that tough and you're that kind of person, you're going to hurt yourself and the church. And it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for the church and it's not right. Being a child and being rebuked this way by your mom or dad. Be a wife and being rebuked this way by your husband. Being a church member and being rebuked this way by your pastor and elder. I wonder. I wonder if we're tough enough to take it. I wonder if we're committed enough to the kingdom of God to take it. Or I wonder if we're just so used to doing things the way we want them, how we want them, when we want them. Because we can. Because we're so free. Because we're so blessed. Because life is so easy for us. You might go, oh, life's not easy for me. Yes, it is. I agonize over this because honestly, and I'll just say it again. I know I've already said it. I'll say it again. I agonize over it. It's my job to do, and I don't do it in this church like I should. In my home, I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. I do not like rebuking my wife. I do not like rebuking my children. I don't like doing it to you. You might go, you know, what are you talking about? I'm talking about confronting people with wrong and dealing with the consequences of how they make you feel. I don't like doing it. I hate it. And you know what? I'm going to repent of it. So you get to benefit from it. Isn't that going to be great? And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I'm not going to be the guy who didn't do what was right because he was too scared to do it. I have been that guy lately. I'm not going to be that guy anymore. Now, do you guys know you can help with that? You can help with that by going, you know what? Wives, you can go to your husbands and say, husbands, if I've made it hard for you to be the voice of God, please I, I, I'm not saying I'm not going to get mad and not talk to you for three days because that is normally what I do. But I'm saying I'm sorry that I do and I don't want to do that. I really want to hear the voice of God. H- how many wives out there, don't raise your hands. Don't make any commitments. I'm not taking up an offering for Myanmar right now. You know what I'm saying? But I would say if you're, if you're a wife in here, if you're a child, if you're an older child... These older children, this thing, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I get, I've got this thing figured out. I'm trying. Older children, wives, church members. God's given you an authority in your life. How many of you want to go through life without a pastor, without an elder, without a dad, without a husband? That's what you want? Be sure to make them feel like dirt when they correct you. Be sure to make them sorry. Be sure to make them pay. I was talking to this woman I met on side of Darby Road in her yard. I was talking to her. and I was talking to her about my sermon because I had been working on it earlier in that day. And I stopped in her yard to do something. I said, you know, it's one thing when you have a car that has no brakes. It's another thing when you have a life that has no brakes. You can get a car fixed, you can insure it, but when you have a life without brakes. See, Jesus is warning this. He says, you're going to lose your life if you try to save it. If you can't take rebuke, if you can't love the people that are dealing with you, they don't want to do it. I, I I am not looking at one human being in this room that likes to do it. 
Nobody. I don't know if, and if I thought you did, I can tell you, I wouldn't be shy. I'd come right to you and, and we could duke it out. That's not kind. But now there is a liking to it that's right. The kind that goes, hey, I know this is going to be horrible. But you know what? Every time I go to Luke, as horrible as it feels in my heart, Luke always makes me feel, and the, the, man, it always works out good. You can like it that way, but don't enjoy it like enjoying to put people down. Does that make sense? You're not putting people down. You're helping them. You're loving them. We could help ourselves today by making clear to those who God has given us that our relationship will survive the rebuke. You know, I'm sad in my heart a little bit because of how I've let the church down in this way. And as we were thinking about buying cemetery plots around your sweet wife's grave, the thought came to my mind as well, some of these people are just going to leave one day when they get mad about something. But I thought, well, maybe if they bought a grave or two around Kirsten, maybe they wouldn't leave so fast. I know that may just sound real heavy duty, but guys, I'm telling you, I'm talking about serious business. We've got to open up our lives to correction. We've got to open up. Uh, we got to. We got to. We got to let people know we have that kind of relationship. I can handle that. That's how we'll have a great church. That's how we'll have a beautiful church. And without it, we're going to have a church that just goes the way of all flesh. We'll just, this building will be empty one day and the, you know, the roof will be caved in and there'll be nobody around. Or we can build something that will last. And I'm telling you, to build something that will last, we've got to be able to go to each other and talk to each other without fear. If you agree with what I'm saying, say amen. Amen. In families, it's easier... In one sense, because those who despise your rebukes don't stop being your children or your wives. At least most of the time they don't. They might make you feel like that. They might make you think twice before you do it again. But but in the church, people are so prone to leave, to take their ball and go home. That people like me are afraid to do their jobs. And maybe I can just solve the whole problem. I'll just repent and it'll all get better. But I'm afraid I won't. He called his disciples to himself. He said to them, whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Church, I'm calling on you. I'm calling on all of us to deny ourselves today so that our children's children can have a beautiful church. Whosoever comes after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the way to do that is to have people that you listen to. People that you encourage to come to you. Verse 36, what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for it? Self is what is damaged when we are rebuked and we don't like it. That's all that's hurt. Is self. 
And Jesus says, here's an opportunity to die to it. If you want to die to yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. If you want to lose your life, welcome rebuke. Make it easy for people to offer it because many times we all need it. Now I want, I know babies keep you busy and things keep you busy, but I am serious. I'd like some eye contact with, with every person in this room. I'm going to look at you. And I'm going to ask you, if you want to be rebuked by your pastor and by your elders, and I'm talking loving, kind, serious, no joking around, not enjoying it. If you want that and you realize you need that in your life, I'd like to hear it from you. You can find me, you can call me on the phone, you can text message me, you can come today. And it'll help me to repent. Because my life's gotten so easy. I've gotten sissified and I haven't really done what I ought to do. And pray for me that I have courage. Pray for your husbands. Pray for your fathers and your mothers. They might be too terrified to correct you on your way. Because they're afraid you'll run off and you'll leave and you won't come and be around them either. Commit that you're staying. Commit that this is what you want. Commit that we're going to be in this for the long haul. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need this in our lives, O oh God. And I, I quake, Lord, at offering a message like this, but I know it's needed. And I know that if we would do it, the fruit would be so beautiful. Lord, I'm tired of being afraid of people in this church and afraid of what they'll do so much so that I seek to please them in a sense or really just to please myself because I'm too afraid to do what I know is right. Lord, give me courage. And Lord, if you could soften their hearts and make it easier on them that they would be wise and receive and, and love those who bring rebuke into their lives, oh God. Lord, I promise to be meek and kind when doing it. And I pray for every father and every husband. I pray for everyone under authority in this room that they would go to their authority, to their father, to their husband, to their elders, to their pastor, and say, I really need that. Bring it on. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.